I want to speak uh, this morning. Um, I'm pretty excited uh, about what I am going to speak on. Um, so young people, they like to use a word. Do you know how when you say something, it has a complete other meaning, but it means something really good? Does anybody know what I'm trying to say? Like if I said to you, gangster, what do you think that would mean? If I said gangster, gangster, does anybody know? It mean really good word this morning. Give me a wave if you understood what that was. No one understood what that was, but that's fine. It's fine, it's fine. We're in the middle of a um, series. I'm doing three talks in a row based around Take a Second Look. So last week uh, I spoke about Revelations chapter 5. And really what it was, it was simply taking a second look at God's Word and the beauty that can come out of the pages when you try to go beneath the surface level, when you try to push on and, and, and ask God to speak to you. And, and what it did is it painted an incredible picture of who God is, of who Jesus is, the, the lion and the lamb. And this morning I want to talk about taking a second look at the mission this morning. We're going to turn to Matthew 28 in a minute. That's going to be where we'll build the text that I speak from today. But question is, has anybody ever been on a mission? Like you, you feel like you, I'm on a mission. Well, let me explain to you about April. While she's not in the room, I'll take advantage of that. So every couple of months, a dynamic in our household begins to shift. Because let me explain, there's two types of people in my household. There are those that I would like to call hoarders, gatherers, collectors, accumulators. These people see the value in everything. Can I get an amen to the accumulators in this house? Whoa, we are, they are, we are some outnumbered. See, my mum put a hand straight up. That's good because you get mentioned later, so that's awesome. <laughs> I blame the genetics there for that. So Kiara, my eldest daughter, she's the beautiful one that sits with us in the front row with red hair. She turns nine tomorrow. She is a collector. Let me explain to you. That means if we go to McDonald's, she keeps the Happy Meal box <laughs> and the toy and fights to keep the container that she drinks from. Now, on the other hand, let me explain to you, there's another demographic of people. They're called the throwers. Give me a wave. Whoa, all right, not too bad. Here's the thing that defines you as a thrower. April, Chris Apulli is a thrower. What happens is she throws it and then two weeks later we realise we actually still needed what she threw away. Give me a wave if you fit that category. Like you're like, it's getting in the way. It's looking cluttered. Let's give it away. And two weeks later, you're like, we needed that piece of equipment. We ne when, when I say we needed, I'm probably, I sit about here on the scale. I lean this way, but I'm learning this way because happy wife, happy life. <laughs> so every two months, the dynamic begins to shift. April becomes agitated. And she says to me, Charles, it's going to get bad before it gets better. <laughs> and I like to say, it's going to get bad before it gets worse. Anyone give me an amen, you know what I'm saying? She goes to me, Kiara's room is looking too cluttered. I'm going to declutter the room. And I say, I'm going to go out. So what happens is she gets into that room and she begins to pull things out of cupboards, pull things from out under the bed. There are things in that room. I don't even know how Kiara was able to get past April to keep them. Every two months, there is two black bags worth of rubbish that we take out of Kiara's room. April calls it rubbish. Kiara calls it artwork or creations. And there is a, there is a, a debate and a, um, it's almost like a bargaining that happens. I just can't be around it. I have to leave. But April is on a mission. She won't settle until it's decluttered. So what I do is I go out, but I come back. I enjoy the mission once I get home because I like, I've realized from being around April that I now can't rest unless it's clean. It's really bad when she's not home because it just, it stays messy. 
and I'm tired all the time. I wonder why. April should never travel. I'd be a mess. It would be a mess also. But she's on a mission. Have you ever been on a mission? What about this one? Let's uh, see if many people are in this room. Who lives in a house where you buy the food but you can't eat it? Do you know what I'm saying? Like you walk in and you go to eat it and everyone's, no, 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 I can't eat that bread. It's for sandwiches tomorrow. You're like, okay. So you go to grab some chips because you think, well, the chips are there. No, no, you can't eat those chips. We've got Connect Group on Wednesday. Can you get a wave to those guys? We're going to start a club. That's a Connect Group right there. We'll eat whatever we want be phenomenal, just buy things on the way, we'll eat them, be good. But you see what happens is April is so committed to the mission, to the plan that it causes me to comply. Have you ever been given a mission? Recently, Jaya started playing basketball and he's really starting to improve. He scored 11 points. Last week, it's incredible. Trust me, I'll work it any way I can. I'm so proud into being up here. It's amazing. He's unbelievable. But the problem is, he got into this thing where a, an opponent would come close to him and, and he would start doing this thing around the back and trying to be fancy, but he wouldn't actually go anywhere. He would stay in the one spot and eventually he would lose the ball. So last Saturday, I gave him a mission. I said very simply to him, Jai, when you get the ball, run. Run. So he gets the ball last Saturday. They had a bye yesterday, so I can't update the stories, but I will because 11 points was his best game. Anyway, he grabs the ball and he starts bouncing it and he gets to an opponent and he, he looks up and he pauses. Now, being the encouraging father I am, I'm sitting down. At that moment, I rise up to my feet. Every other parent is sitting down except for me, but this is who I am. And I said, Joy boy, Run! And he looked sort of over at me and looked back and pew, he took off running. And he ran around everybody, ran around everybody, eventually got to the basket. Now, it happens rarely, but this time it went in and I was like, it's all me. I sort of looked at all the other parents. <laughs> Sat down. <laughs> Have you ever been on a mission? Have you ever been given a mission? The answer is, if you're in relationship with Jesus Christ, then you have. We've been given a great mission and that's to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ so what I want to do this morning I want to read to you from Matthew 28 I want to read this together and then I want to look for a second time at our mission and it reads in his word after the Sabbath at dawn On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran towards his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, collapsed at his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders to devise a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you were to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him to keep you out of trouble. 
So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. Welcome, Prilly. How are you going? And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. It's perfect timing, wasn't it, eh? The Great Commission. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would speak. Lord, I pray that we would leave here today inspired to strive after the mission you've given us, to go into the world spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, you are the only one that can bring hope. You are the only one that can change lives that are broken, bringing them back to restored relationship with you, Lord. Please speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. What a cool scene. I love the Bible. I love that Mary, Magdalene, and they chose to write, and the other Mary are going to the tomb. And it's like there's an earthquake. Now, I've been in one earthquake when we were living in Geelong. It was very small, but it made me tremble. It was worrying, it's discerning to feel the ground like shake beneath you. But an angel is coming down from heaven. There's an angel there and he's rolling away the stone. Now we know obviously this is heavy. This is not something that one man could do alone. But once again, we see God supernaturally making a way for people to encounter God. You see, let me explain is that as that angel comes and it sits there, I realized this week that the angel did not roll the stone away for Jesus to get out. Jesus doesn't need help with that. Jesus could have done it. Jesus could have got out, no problem. He rolled the stone away so that the two Marys could come in. You see, right there is the first opportunity of all time to witness and experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. It's an incredible scene uh, that they come in and and there's an angel there and there's men trembling like, like dead men. They can't move and the angel says to them, don't be afraid. But what I love about this scene is that the angel, in my opinion, is so excited about the resurrection of Jesus Christ that it's almost like the Great Commission is flowing out of that angelic being because he says to them, come and see where he lay. He says, come and see. You see, in our lives as Christians, as believers, we've had a moment, we've had an encounter where we've come and we've seen his goodness. We've come and we've seen his mercy. We've come and we've seen his forgiveness. We've had an encounter with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. At some point, we have all had an experience where we've come and we've seen the power of Jesus. But here's the thing. If we look at our mission It's always twofold. It's always natural that when you come and see, the angel then goes, come and see to look where he lay. And then he says, go and tell the disciples. You see, there's a come and see, come and experience, and then there's a go and tell. You see, what was happening is it was almost like the the Great Commission was getting ready to go before it had even happened. He says to Mary and Mary, go and tell the disciples. When I think about our lives, when I think about his goodness, the question that I ask myself is, I've experienced his goodness, his love, his mercy. Now I need to go and tell. Verses 6 and 7. They're off. They're walking down the road. As I look with fresh eyes this morning at the Great Commission, 
I want us to prepare ourselves that to take a hold of it, we need to pursue him. You see, what's happening there is you see it in uh, Matthew 27, Matthew 26, 32. It says this, Jesus is talking to them and he says, when I, when I rise, when I'm risen, I'm going to go to Galilee. Then in Matthew 28 verse 7, it says this, the angel is saying, then go quickly and tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. See, what happens is, in order to take a hold of the mission, you need to pursue God in faith. Because what happens is Jesus is risen from the dead and now they're going off the testimony Off Mary and Mary. He's in Galilee. He's going ahead of you. He's already there. Here's the thing. If they never pursued God, they never would have been sent to the world. As I thought about that, this is what I realized. If if I want to affect the world by getting people to pursue after Jesus, I need to be doing it myself. Those disciples when they pursued Christ, resurrected, encountering his power, his goodness, they became apostles. They were sent to the world. They pursued. The second thing that I noticed is that, and and for me I want to sit on this just for a minute, is that you're sent to the world despite your doubts. For me, this blew my mind. When you're reading the scripture, it says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And I read it again. You're encountering the resurrected Jesus Christ and you're worshipping him because it's the natural posture when you encounter him. But yet it says people are doubting right there. And as I pondered and I thought about it, I felt the Lord begin to speak to me. Has anybody been in a situation where they felt it's too good to be true? A couple of years ago, we went to, is it the conservatory? Conservatory restaurant. Has anybody ever been there? That is not a place I would normally go. It was incredible. Let me explain to you. It's at, it's at Crown. It's overlooking water. And, and it's like an all-you-can-eat, but fan, not like Sizzler. Like, like it's like classy all-you-can-eat. And when I get in there, I was mind-blown. Like I've never been. We don't go to restaurants like that. I get in there, and there's like this incredible anti-pasta section. Now, I've got Italian heritage, so bread and cheese, I'm happy. But there's bread, there's cheese, there's olives, there's, there's cold meats, there's everything that I am absolutely excited about. Then you move on to the next section and there's an Asian section and then there was an Indian section. Then there was a barbecue section and then, oh my goodness, the dessert section. It was phenomenal. So I get there and I just leave April. We don't even go to the table. I sort of walk past the table, okay, I'm located there, let's go. Right, like, <laughs> so I get to the bar. And I'm excited to be there. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe I'm here. And I go to the bar and I see a bit of brie there. I'm like, oh, I love a soft cheese. I'll get a soft cheese. The guy in front of me grabs the whole thing, puts it on his plate, walks away. In that moment, I'm like, did that just happen? He took the whole block. He's like, are you allowed to do that? Because I'm taking the whole block when they bring one back. But in that moment, I was there. It was happening. It was believable. That's what was going on. But yeah, I couldn't believe that I was there. It says that they saw Jesus. They fell to a posture of worship, but yet some doubted. I don't think that's a negative thing. I think that it means that they were genuinely in the moment. Jesus is here. I saw him hanging on a cross. Dying. I ran. I denied. I hid myself. I watched at a distance. I'm ashamed about it, but yet in this moment, he is standing in front of me. And he loves me. 
You see, what's crazy about that is when they're on the road back and Mary and Mary are heading back, Jesus, he appears there, he says greetings. And then he says to them, tell my brothers to meet me in Galilee. See, what's happened? My brothers, that's an endearing term because he loved them. They're standing there going, he still loves me. I can't believe it. I'm here. I'm in this moment. He loves me, but but why? I, I abandoned him in his time of crisis and he's risen from the dead and I'm worshipping him, but Jesus is alive. I, I just, I can't understand what's going on. In the original language, the word is distazo. And that word based around the word doubt talks about like a fluctuating position or or hesitance or, hey, I I get it, I'm full of faith in the moment on one hand, but yet on on the other hand, I seem to sway both ways. I get that. Some days I wake up in the morning and I feel like Jesus is going to use me to change the world. And then the next day I can wake up and I feel heavy in my head. How the heck am I going to lead myself? That doesn't change who God is. That doesn't change my love for him. That doesn't change God's plan for my life. That makes me human. You can't have faith without the presence of doubt or it's not faith. God uses people and sends them to the world, even those that doubt. Well, let's think about it. God goes to the father of nations, Abraham. He says, I'm going to give you seed. I'm going to make you the father of nations. And what's his reaction? Abraham, Sarah, they laugh. <laughs> We're old. But yet God used them. Let's look at Gideon. God goes to Gideon and says, hey, I'm going to use you to deliver your people. You're the weakest of the weak, but you're a mighty warrior. I'm going to use you. And Gideon goes, yeah, but just to make sure you're legit, I've got this fleece and if there's water underneath and not on top, I'll believe you. Just pass a little miracle there for me. And then, okay, that worked. Let's switch it up. Let's go the other way. Water underneath, nothing on top. Yet he's like... Are you sure, God? I've got to do a little test. What about the fact that Thomas is there, the guy that says, unless I see the nail prints in his hand, I won't believe. But yet all those people, God used in a mighty way. The purpose of me talking about this is the fact that You don't need to have it all together to be sent to the world. You don't need to know every answer in order to witness the love of Jesus Christ to someone. The key is that you have faith. It doesn't matter if doubt is in the midst of it. The key is that you have faith because you see what happens is that God is saying to them, Jesus is saying in that moment, you go, you're worshipping me. And you're doubting. So my opening statement on the, on the fact that I know you're doubting is that all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. Do you know what that says? If all authority in heaven and earth is God's, that means none of it is ours. We don't have any because he's got it all and he chooses to send you. In the midst of doubt, If there's faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, move. See, here's the thing. As they worshipped, some doubted. Doubt's okay. Because if you look at all the times that there are people that had faith in the presence of doubt, through that doubt, God grows their faith. Because here's the thing. You know, what used to challenge me and used to stress me out as a younger leader now, I don't even think about because God's grown my faith beyond that. But what happens is it's stepping out. It's continually stepping out. And every time you do it, God meets the need. Do you know why? Because he's got all authority. I've got none. I'm going where he sent me. You don't need to have it all together. I want to encourage you to begin to be an example in your workplace to be an example to your family, to pluck up the courage even when it's not popular to say, you know what, I love you. I'm praying for you. Don't know if I recently told you guys about the story at the gym with Billy, about me praying for him. It was about stepping out in faith. It was about giving, God had all the authority to bring the healing. God had all the authority in that moment. My job was just to, pluck up enough courage and faith 
despite of doubt, to be obedient to him. You're sent despite of your doubt. And then he says, all authority has been given to me. So go, make, baptize, teach. Go, make, baptize, teach. There's our mission. There's our plan. We need to go into the world. See, here's the thing. The making can take time. I mean, the Bible talks about work out your salvation. The Bible, you know, you've got to grow in your faith. Once you've encountered Jesus Christ, we know that you were set free from your sin. You know that you were restored to your Father. But it's very interesting, if you look at the flow, is that they make. So the making of a, of a disciple is encountering Jesus Christ, but it's a process of learning. Because then the next step is baptism. Baptism comes before teaching because baptism is you're joining with the community of believers. You're dying to a life that you live for yourself and coming out of that water, living for Jesus Christ. And then it says teach. You know, for me, I was so pleased with the Live the Jesus way. We had 25 people that came out every Thursday night for the past four weeks. Why? Taught them about prayer. Taught them about the authority of God's word. We talked them about word studies, character studies, exegetical studies. We, we, we did that from the purpose of Jesus tells us to teach them all the things that I've taught you. We need to be a community that reads our word, that is discipling people to read the Bible. Because it'll help you when you're sent to the world, which we've been done. I prayed this week, Teagues, I might get you to come up. So as a community, I want to give you guys a, a, a little structure change that's happened here just to make you guys aware. We're trying to set up time at the end of every meeting for response to God's word. I don't want to get to a place where we're pushed for time, we're pressing for time. We want to hear God's word, we want to respond to it. I started thinking about this. The Great Commission. That we're sent to the world. To go, make, baptise and teach. Anybody can do that. Everybody is sent. But it's funny, God brought to my heart this week a new filter. You see, I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. I, I love my neighbor as myself. They, they're correlated. To love God, you need to love. And if you truly love, you're sent. See, the filter I had, it, it, I realized that it says in Romans that God loved us so much that he was willing to lay down his life while we were still sinners, while we were still in the wrong place. We weren't where we were meant to be. Jesus Christ still died for us so that we could be restored to God. He took the punishment of our sin that we should have paid so that we could be set free through the work on the cross. must be incredible value in us for God to give everything. So I was thinking about it. The story that comes to my mind or the analogy, the picture I'd like to paint would be this. We're a community. I love you. I know you love me too just learning to but it's good but because I have high value in you you have high value in me it means that you would value what I value 
So my kids are incredibly valuable to me. Any parent would know that. Any son or daughter would know and understand what it is, the way your parents love you. And if you don't know that love, your heavenly Father loves you. So just imagine I'm here one day, I'm up in my office, I'm upstairs and Jai's down here and he's crying and he's hurt himself and what he needs is he needs his parent, he needs his father and he's crying and he's walking around. I guarantee you, if you were in this community and you saw Jai crying and you knew that I was upstairs and you knew that he was looking for me, you'd take him by the hand and you'd take him to me, you'd bring him to me or you'd go and get me and bring him bring me to my son. Why? Because you know the value my child is to me. You know, as I look at my children, I feel this love. And it begins to give me an understanding of the way God thinks about us and thinks about the world. They're not just people. They're God's children. And if I value God, I want to value what He values. And He's got so much value in them. He gave up what was most important to Him, His Son. So that we could have the opportunity to be restored to Him. They're His children. And we have an opportunity to take them by the hand. And lead them to the cross or be Jesus and bring the cross to them. And do you know why we should do it? Because they're valued by God. You know, at some point, someone valued you enough to share the gospel with you. And now you're set free. Now you know what it is to be in relationship with God. So this morning, I want to respond. I want to ask God for a new filter, a new lens. Those people at your work aren't your colleagues. They're God's children. Your family members aren't just your family members. They're God's children. Your neighbours aren't just your neighbours. They're God's children. And if He loved them enough to die for them and He sent you into the world... And they're walking around and they're broken and they're hurting and they're bound by sin. It's like Jai, he's crying, looking for his father. There are people in our community looking for an answer and you know where it is. And Jesus sent you with the answer and with all authority to share the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, as I came back and read this scripture during the week, I thought to myself as I took a second look, God, am I actually acting on what you've asked me to do? When was the last time I openly shared the gospel with someone? It doesn't have to be corny. You're allowed to have doubt present. But you need the faith and the obedience to pursue God's will and His plan for your life. They're God's children out there, not just people. So this morning I want to do two things. First thing, if everybody would close their eyes for a minute. The reason why I want everyone to close their eyes, it isn't a spiritual thing, it's purely a privacy thing. I don't want anybody looking around if possible. So that everybody can be alone with God. And the question I want to ask anybody here today is Do you know what your relationship with Jesus is like? You see, in the Word of God, it says that everybody has fallen short. Everybody has done something wrong. It's Romans 3.23. And what that's referring to is if you've ever lied or you've ever stolen or you've ever done something, 
that the Bible calls sin. It means that you're separated from God and a relationship with Him. Then the Bible says that the punishment for that sin should be death. But the Bible goes on to say in Romans 5 that the gift of God is that Jesus took that punishment. It's eternal life through Jesus Christ. So the way to be restored from the stuff you've done wrong is simply that you would come to Jesus, you would ask Him for forgiveness, you would believe that He rose from the dead. And it says you have eternal life. It says that you know that you know that your relationship with God is solid and that you would go to heaven. So with every eye closed, is there anybody here that wants to make sure they have the right relationship with Jesus? What I want you to do is I just want you to stick your hand up. I'll be the only one with my eyes open. a church that's willing to reach the world that's willing to put up with it's not even willing it's to put up with and that's the wrong terminology it's a desire to do what you're called to do new filter that God's children are out there and they have a desire to be with Him would you be willing to go and make would you be willing to share the gospel in your workplace wait for opportunities to step out in faith we need to be a church that becomes serial inviters. We don't exist for the, for the people that are, are here. We exist for the people that are lost because that's the mission that Jesus gave us. So the question I ask you, and I want you to do this publicly in our community, is that if you're willing to look with a new focus outside of these walls, that people that are lost and are hurting and are broken and that you would be there to share the good news of Jesus Christ, that they've been set free, that there is an answer, that you'd be willing to step up in your faith and step up in your purpose and remember that you've been sent on a mission. Would you stand in this place? very simple you don't need to make the opportunities you need to look for them you don't need to force it you need to have an awareness of it see at some point in your life I love this new song yes I will at some point not only is it yes I will from the perspective of I will worship God when it's hard I will worship God even when I don't feel like it. But yes, I will serve God. Yes, I will answer the call. Yes, I will pursue His purpose. Yes, I will. Here's a reality. It's been two or three weeks in a row. We haven't had anybody really put their hand up to be new people in our community which reflects upon us in reality is that we're inviting people to come. If a church isn't looking outside the walls 
to affect people for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that that church has a very short lifespan. And I want to be integrated into this community, a part of this community, serving this community. But it won't happen if we just live our lives in these walls. Would you invite? Would you look for opportunities? So I'm going to pray as we sing this song, Yes, I Will. But when you sing, Yes, I Will, it will be this, Yes, I Will Invite. Yes, I will look for an opportunity to share the gospel. Yes, I will go on mission. And my mission is simply that Jesus asked me to go into the world and share the news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that need it. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick and the broken. And that's who He sends us to. So we raise our hands and let's sing this and declare this together. We have an opportunity now. We have 10 minutes before our time is gone to respond. Would you raise your hands in this place to receive from God? Yes, I will. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I
sing it out, church. Sing it out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. atmosphere but what you need to do is you need to carry that faith that you have right now out of these walls in obedience to the call to go into the world yes I will keep singing yes I will answer your call sing it from your heart sing it again retrospective thinking within this house because we're not called to be in this community, inherit this building, have the plan of God for our life to think for ourselves. It's time that we go out and we start living the mission we're on. Could I ask you to start inviting? It's going to change the shape of who, who we are, what we look like, but we need to do it. Can I encourage you over the next month, can we all attempt to bring one person to church? And if you can't and you've invited, that's still a win. He's the hope of the world, hey. And we carry it within us. So let's take it to the world, amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. Do you agree? Let's do it.
Let, let's run out of seats because people are coming. So just in closing the meeting today, can we pray for Hope Tour? As of next week, people start arriving. Next week, the theme is going to be take a second look at worship. We have one of the uh, worship leaders from our community in Canberra. He leads the national conference uh, every year as a worship leader. He's an incredible man of God. We're going to encounter God next week from the perspective of taking a second look at worship. Worship just doesn't happen here. You answering the mission is still worshiping God. You discipling people is still worshiping God. But we also get to enter the Holy of Holies. Amen. So let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you. Thank you that we have an opportunity, Lord, to go and to be in schools, to encourage and be a presence there. But I thank you, Lord, that by us being a presence in those schools, those young people that know Jesus would invite them to the Friday night where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that as we think of Hope Tour, as an initiative we start there, Lord, I think of the hope that we carry in our mission and our initiative, Lord. Help us to lead people to the Lord in this house, to lead people in the Lord in the supermarket, in the car park. Lord, let us hear testimonies of people being restored to you and your goodness. Yes, I will. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said... Amen. Be blessed. Thank you for coming. Please stay around. Have a coffee. Connect with one another. Grab a brochure on the way out so you can see what's going on in the life of our church. We love you. We'll see you next week. Why don't the band play song one? You don't need to sing it, just the band.